Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come. So there's this holiday created to celebrate love. And it's got all the bells and whistles, candy, cards, a day for chocolate and flowers, outdoing the year before if I can help it. (laughs) There's this mad rush to the store and a haste to find the gift to express my affection for the one I just can't live without. Until alas, I find the perfect sentiment (laughs) written by someone I don't even know. There's a different way to look at love, to share love beyond words, beyond sentiment, beyond a single day, a whole new way to look at the word love. See, Jesus showed us another way, how to stoop down and lift up the broken, make sure the last in life are treated like the first, show the most favor to the least likely, Hang out with those that have nothing to offer me. Reach out and forgive, even when it's not asked for. Ask forgiveness, even when I don't think I need it. What a way to love, to give, not just from my pocket, but from my heart too. To love them beyond what they can produce. Like them for more than their talent. Hug them despite their social status. See, Jesus showed me the type of love that doesn't stick to a holiday that speaks beyond a card, that blossoms long after a flower dies. That's the kind of love I want, I need, that I'll give, the type of love that overflows from the most amazing grace. Good morning, FC. Let's give God praise for his love today, all right? So thankful that you are here today at Freedom Church. If it is your first time, we welcome you. If you're in person or your first time online, thank you for coming today. Hey, today is, I guess, the day it represents love. We know that today is technically on the calendar as Valentine's Day. And my wife reminded me last night that I proposed to her on Valentine's Day 32 years ago. And I thought, that is a couple of days ago, you know? <laughs> so, and I was thinking about that. And so this morning I wanted to make a post about it and how much that I love my wife. And, and the thing I've always told her, and I heard this years ago from another pastor friend of mine, if she ever does decide to leave me, you know what I told her? I'm going with you. Yes, I'm going with you. So, you know, and when you think about love, a lot of people, it just, it just kills me when you see these people in these giddy relationships and they first get married, you know, and they're just talking about, we just, we just make each other. We just complete each other. You know, they're just so, you know, we just, we're just a match made in heaven, you know, and they just, we're just so spiritually connected. You know, I'll tell you how spiritually connected we are. We finish each other's sentences. <laughs> and then they're married for about 30 years and the husband, they do finish each other's sentences. He'll say, hey, honey, you get your own sandwich, you know, kind of deal, you know. They do complete each other's sentences. I'm glad my relationship's not like that. So, but anyway, love is about serving and having a heart because God is love. And today, 
uh, I want us to take and move forward in this series we started last week, three-part, talking about love is. And if you haven't had the opportunity to be a part of last week when we talked about loving God, uh, you didn't get to hear that or see that via video, be sure to go to our website or download our app to be able to do that. Also, you can get the message notes from each week on our app. But today, I want to just review just for a moment about when it comes to loving God. Above all else, the Christian life is a couple of words. It's a love affair of our heart. When it comes to you and I and God creating you and I, we were created as the object of God's love. God created you and me to love each of us, and He wants that in return in our lives. And so we're created to have that purposeful relationship with God and to experience His love. Then when you experience his love, then he wants to share, wants us to share his love. And then he wants you to truly love yourself because you're made in his likeness and in his image. So today, if you would, I'm going to exercise with you just one more time. Would you stand with me together and we will read the foundational scriptures that this short series is all about in Matthew 22. Would you read this with me? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest command. Thank you, God, that it is. We love you and we praise you and we thank you for that today, God. And Lord, we know the second is equally important to it, Father. You said for us to love our neighbors as ourselves because this wraps up the entire law in its entirety. So God, today, use me as a voice piece to herald a message that's going to penetrate hearts, God, of how that we together can not only love you, but God, when we have that relationship with you, today we learn how to love others, even in the toughest of times. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody says, amen. Amen. All right. So when you look at this here in the reading, the first part that we looked at last week, I talked about how a lot of times you're not careful. You will stuff your life with a bunch of junk that is apart from God that keeps you from really having that relationship to be able to, to love on God. And so my question is for you today, are you truly hungry for God? And, and my question is this week after last week, for those of you who were able to be a part of what we shared last week, I hope and pray that you found it applicable to your life and that you maybe just slowed down a little bit this week in order to be able to love God. But in the second part in verse 39, it says the second is equally important. Did you catch that? You say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know loving God's important, but you're saying this second part is equally, I didn't say it, God did. He wrote the book, take it up with him, right? So uh, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So love is more than a four-letter word, but how can you and I really live it out when it comes to loving other people? We often say that we love, but if we're not careful, we do little to prove it. You say, what do you mean? Well, see, people get caught up that love is a feelings, nothing more than. That song is so incorrect, okay? All right? Love is a choice, and love is an action. That's really what it is. Those of you that are married, you made a choice to love that person, and hopefully in action you're loving that person. That's how the relationship continues to be vibrant and passionate and loving between the two of you. The same goes with God. 
whenever we love God, it is a choice that we love God. And through our actions, we show God that we love him. Same thing when it comes to loving other people. When it comes to, you know, you have the several different kinds of love. But really, I'm looking overall and looking at your brother love, brotherly love today. Looking at the fact of, of when we look at the filio love. That's where that the brotherly love comes from Philadelphia. Uh, in, the, in, this, in the great city of Philadelphia. But God is saying to us in this second most important commandment that's equal to it, that God put you and I on earth to learn how to love our neighbors as ourselves. Now, I believe I can step out on the limb here and hopefully don't cut it off behind me, that I would say most of you, if not all of you in this auditorium or those of you that are watching online, you do pretty good at loving yourself. But are you really loving your neighbor as you would yourself? That is the question. See, as humans, though, what we end up doing, and this is all of us, if you're not careful, we just get self-absorbed. You say, what do you mean self-absorbed? We have an agenda. When you leave here today, you have an agenda. When you leave here today, you got something probably on your calendar. If you don't, your calendar will start tomorrow. You have something that's going on when it comes to your timeline. You have something going on when it comes to your priorities in your life. There's something going on in your life when it comes to your goals and objectives, whether it's short-term, long-term, or both. But these things apart from God's will in our lives equals nothing. Jesus is saying that love is the mark of Christian community, that we commune with one another through making a choice and having action in that love to prove that love. Really love is summed up in what John the apostle had to say in his first letter that he wrote in the, in the epistles here. Of course, he's the writer of John's gospel. But in 1 John, he says this in chapter 4, he says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is, what's that word? He's love. He gave us that gift that we can share it with him and with others. It goes on to say here that God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. You might want to underline that. In this scripture in your Bible or maybe you want to put it on a sticky note put it on your mirror or or maybe on your on your screen at work or whatever it is but it says again I want to reiterate this we surely ought to love each other well that's the right thing to do as Christians right that we should love each other but we live in a world that makes it tough I think you to know that we live in a world where that there's resentment we live in a world where that there's anger we live in a world where Christians and non-Christians alike hold grudges. We live in a world to where the violence seems to dominate. And, and that's the right Christian thing to do, that we love one another. But look around. We hear stories every day, and it comes up on your news feed about the, how that there's people that are not being loved. Love is not abounding. 
There's people that's being killed. There's people that's being raped. There's people that's being trafficked. There's people that's being divorced. There are people that are bullied, they're sued, they're beat, and they're abused. That's what we see happening in the world around us. It happens to everyone, whether you're at home or you're at the office or you're at school or whether you claim faith in God or you have not yet. Things are not all rosy with churches either. So they should never say that they are. Whatever happens in the real world happens in the lives of those of us that profess faith and are Christians. People are not getting along with each other all the time. People are as faith followers, and I witness this, and I counsel this, and I talk with people about this. People are living with hatred in their hearts for other Christians. Did you know that the Bible equates murder? That hatred is murder in their hearts. In short, let's be honest, true, real Christian love is beginning to be a rare commodity in the church and in the world. And so when we look at our own lives, what, what is the real problem with this? Let's be honest. There's probably very few models of real Christian love for us to look at in our everyday walk in life. It's real easy for us to come in here and love one another in an environment like this where that all of the things that the enemy is bringing about is hopefully being left outside. But whenever you leave here today and the last song is prayed and I say goodbye to you and you hit that parking lot and you go into that world, that's when it gets tough to love somebody. Do you agree with me on that? That's when it gets tough when you get around people that you see that they're not Christians or you see that they're doing things that's apart from God. And it rakes you feel up inside. And the thing about it is, what's wrong with Christians today is that we get mad at the people and when need to get mad at Satan who's causing them to do things that's apart from the love of Almighty God. you got to hate the sin. You don't never hate the sinner. You always love the sinner and hate the sin that they're caught up in and pray for them. It's, it's paramount that we do that. We hardly know what real Christian love, though, is all about. Are you being a model of real Christian love? When you get in your vehicle and you leave here, are you being that, those of you watching online from whatever avenue that you're watching it this morning? 1 John 3, 18 and 19, listen to what John says. He says, dear children, let's not merely say we love each other. Let us show the truth by our, what's that word? By what? Say it real loud. Our actions. That's what we got to, we've got to show that we love somebody by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. Now, how clearly do your actions on a daily basis show that you are really loving other people? Are you generous in your life when you leave here and you go into a world that needs to love? How many of you agree with me that this world needs love and it needs the love of God? Raise your hand. I agree with that. You agree with me. The world needs the love of God. So when you go into the world, are you truly being generous with your time? Are you being generous with your resources? Are you being generous with your money? See, the Christian life is an action statement of our love for God. I don't want to be guilty. And I don't want you to be guilty of lip service that does not show 
that we're action-oriented Christians showing our love for God by loving other people. Love is often thought of as that feeling, but once again, it is choice and it is an action. Jesus gave us the greatest example of what it means to love. Everything he did in life and in death was supremely loving, and he is our example to look to. How well are you displaying your love for God and the choices you make and the actions you take on a regular basis. <laughs> kind of reminds me, thinking about the seriousness of loving other people and, and, and being serious about God's love. It reminds me of a 10-year-old boy. And man, he was really struggling in his classes. I mean, it was tough. And he got to the point that he was failing math. And his parents, they did everything they could do. They tried to work with him best they could. They tried to spend time with him and help him. They even hired tutors. And finally, it got to the point, they just said, we cannot have him flunking out. And they put him in a Catholic school. So we get to this Catholic school. And, and what was amazing about it, they started noticing a difference of, about him immediately. And next thing you know, when the first six-week report card came, he not only made good grades in his other classes, he made an A in math. And mom and daddy scratched their heads and said, we don't understand, son. Was it the nuns there at the school? Was it the textbooks? Was it the change in the environment? Maybe it's a little bit more strict. And he says, no, it really wasn't those things. He said, I just know the first day that I walked in the classroom, he said, and I seen this guy nailed to a plus sign on the wall, they meant business. Jesus meant business also when he showed his people in this world, this is what love is. This is what love is. When he was nailed to a cross, because he showed how serious sin was and how sin could keep and kill off any hope of a relationship with people. So the problems with us as human beings is that we are infected with self-centeredness. The question is, and, and, and I want to just ask this question. If you are a believer, you're a Christian, you know you're born again, I, I want you to lean in. If you're not yet, hey, just lean out for a moment. It, it's just fine. And my prayer is before this day ends, you'll become a believer. But I want to ask you this. Have you become selfish with the gift of salvation that Jesus gave you that cost his life? Have you become selfish with it? Have you got to the point in your life that I'm satisfied with my four, I'm not really worried about anymore. I want it my way, I want it now. I want my comfort even at someone else's expense. I am the person who matters the most. I don't care what happens as long as I'm okay. See this individualistic self-centered society that we live in has badly damaged our sense of being loving in a community and in life of people that need Jesus. Only you and I can choose to give love away or not. Only you and I can choose to be other-centered 
or self-centered in our lives. I remember when I was in junior high, I know I call it middle school now. I was in grade school, had two different schools, first through the third and fourth through the sixth, made straight A's, then went to junior high in the seventh grade. I'd always been a pretty good kid other than I had one bad teacher in the fifth grade and then that's the only thing I ever had. I made terrible grades. All the other grades is, was there. And I think you teachers will agree with me. Sometimes you just don't click with students. You know what I'm saying? We didn't click with each other. I tried to play hooky every day so I didn't have to go to school. But anyway, I got through it. I passed anyway. And, um, but when I went to seventh grade, all these other kids would come from these outer line schools in the county. And there was this one kid named Johnny that came, and he was a bigger than me. He was about this tall. And I don't know what it was about him, but he didn't like me for nothing. Matter of fact, he told me he was going to whip me at first chance he got. And I thought, what did I do to you? I'd never been in a fight in my life. And so I tried everywhere in the world when I see him to avoid him. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to get in no fight. I didn't even know how to fight. Never been in a fight. Didn't know what it was like. But these rough around the edges kids coming from these other schools, that's what they wanted to do, to be able to be a bully. So it was one morning I came in early, and I'll never forget this. And I told this story years ago. Some of you may remember it. It's still, I go to counseling for it today. I'm still in the effects of it. But anyway, um, just kidding. But anyway, I came in early one morning, and you know how it is when you come in early to school and you go into the commons area, um, you know, there's nobody there. And the only, body, only person was there was Mr. Klein, which was our custodian. And man, here he comes. He saw me, Johnny did, and he come over there, and that guy threw me over every table and, and over across tables and down on the floor and threw me around like a rag doll. And I remember getting up looking at him, and I thought, this is it, I'm going to die. And I'm looking up at him, and I don't know what made me do it, but all of a sudden, I just took my hand and doubled my fist, and I just did this real quick, and I hit him in the nose, and blood flew everywhere. So we wrestled around a little bit more, and then after that, he loved me. He did. He loved me. He didn't bother me no more. I guess I just had to stand up for myself and, and do whatever. And I'm not advocating fighting, but I will tell you, for you kids, if you get backed in a corner, come out of the corner, whatever means. I will tell you that. You hear what I'm telling you. Teachers, I think you'll agree with me. I'm not saying sling punches, but I'm telling you, if some bully backs you in a corner, you be sure to come out of the corner and you go tell somebody. But anyway, the point I'm making is, is that the enemy has been bullying us too much. When you think about a bully in this life from the perspective of the enemy, Satan, a bully is a person who wants to hurt you, who wants to frighten you, who wants to tyrannize you and, and make those that are weak or smaller feel inferior about themselves. But here's the person that's a buffer. A person that's a buffer is a person that shields and protects against harm. A person that, that goes against hostile forces. A person that lessens the impact of a shock. And I don't know about you, but how many of you agree with me that the enemy is doing everything he can do to bully people in this world to where they do not know the love of Almighty God? How many of you agree with me on that? And that's where that you and I come in, that you and I take the love of God to a world and you and I be a buffer against the enemy. And we stand up against the enemy and we're going to come out with a buffer of love to be able to help people. Everybody in this room under the sound of my voice or those of you watching online, you have a great potential to be a buffer by somebody you're going to walk across in your life that needs the love of God. And there's all kinds of ways that we can give them the love of God. But we've got to be people that says no more. I'm not going to stand by the wayside 
out and not share the love. There's families being destroyed. There's friendships being destroyed. There's people that in their workplace being destroyed. There's people in neighborhoods being destroyed. There's marriages being destroyed. There's students that's being destroyed and kids being destroyed. And sometimes the ones that needs the love the most is the ones you like the least. Are you with me? The ones who need the love the most are the ones that you might even categorize them in a category as an earthly enemy. There's no greater story of someone that likes someone the least than the story of the Good Samaritan. And today, we're going to peer into that story just for a few moments. And there's three particular actions that the Good Samaritan took even with a person that if they had been conscious at the time, they would have despised this good Samaritan. So one of the very first actions that you and I have got to do like the good Samaritan did is we have got to look into this world with our spiritual antennas up and we've got to see from our hearts. From our hearts. Look look at what it says here. Uh, It says here, beginning in Luke 10 and, and verse 30, it says a Jewish man was was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there. But he also passed him on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along when he saw the man he felt compassion for him the question would come to your mind when you read this story why did the religious men pass up this Jewish man that's been beaten and robbed and laying no doubt I believe he was unconscious on the road he was beat so profusely Why did these religious men pass him up? The Bible doesn't tell us, but here's what I know. (laughs) If we're not careful, we'll pass people up too. Oh, we ain't going to stop. They got a cell phone. (laughs) Oh, they're going to be just fine. They're next to the the lobby there. You know, they're okay. Oh, they're, you know, they're just begging for money. People beg for money all the time. It just, don't worry about that person. We go on and We pass people up too, don't we? If we just see each day of our life with only our eyes, we don't feel compelled to help someone. But if we see with our hearts, it tugs us like it did the Good Samaritan to want to get involved. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Now, once again, why did Luke, Dr. Luke, put in here that he was a spy of Samaritan? It's very simple. It goes all the way back to when the northern kingdom separated from the southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom, uh, God's people, mixed and intermarried with the foreigners that they were supposed to take out. And when they did, they were considered a mixed breed people. And for the Jews, the Jews considered themselves as pure descendants of Abraham. As a matter of fact, here is the northern part of the Sea of Galilee and up around Nazareth where Jesus grew up and here is Jerusalem Samaria is in the middle when Jews would go from one area to another they would bypass 
Samaria just not to rub shoulders with those people. That's how much they despise them. But this Jew found himself in a predicament. How many times are you and I running here, there, and everywhere? We're just too busy. And what do we do? We end up justifying just so we don't get involved. And if we're going to be a buffer in a world that needs the Lord, we're going to have to see from the eyes of our heart so that you and I can be a buffer of love for people that need it. If you want to be a world changer, we're going to have to stand up to the enemy and say, the buck stops here. I'm going to get involved even though I might not want to. I want to be sure that my friends stay together in the marriage. I want to make sure that my friends' children are, don't get wrapped up in things that they don't need to get wrapped up in. I want to make sure that my prayer life, and I let them know that I'm praying for their students. I want to let my neighbor know that whenever something's happened to their family, that we're there for them, that we're willing to take them a meal. We're willing to do whatever needs to be done to be a buffer of love. See, we get into a mindset of thinking and we forget to be the buffer of love. And that which was once not okay and we would get involved now, we just becomes the norm and we get desensitized to everything going on around us. So we not only got to see with our hearts, we got to go with our bodies. So what do you mean? Well, look at the example here in Luke 10 and 34 in the first part. It says, going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds and olive oil, with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Now, we'll stop right there. Most likely, this Samaritan was not a doctor. Most likely, he was not a qualified EMT. He did what he could do, and he took the opportunity and the moment to do what he could do. And here at Freedom Church, have you ever thought about stepping up for somebody that needs help? Stepping up like the people do. Do you know what's amazing to me? It's amazing to me that the love that our volunteers have for the children over there serving right now. They don't get paid to serve. They do it because they're stepping up out of love because they love your children. We ought to give them some love, church. They love your kids. They're stepping up. I love our, our adults that are stepping up on Wednesday nights and they love our students because they know they're living in challenging times when we're living now in the first post-Christian generation where the Bible means nothing but words on a page of another book. That's where we're living at. Think about when you get out to the parking lot today and you leave my prayer and I've been praying this that. When you leave the parking lot today and when you leave every day from leaving in the safe security and the nestled, nestled part of your home that when you go out into the world that you put those spiritual antennas on and you not only see with your heart but you go with your body and you do everything you can and you don't miss an opportunity but you take care for every opportunity to say, I'm not going to allow the enemy to bully these people. I'm going to love on those people and I'm going to show them the love of Jesus today because the love of Jesus is what's going to change the world and it is the love of God that will cover a multitude of sin, church. That's what it will do when we become buffers of love for God. No more allowing the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy. So when you look at this good Samaritan, he not only saw with his heart, and he went with his body, but look what else he did. He helped with his resources. See, a lot of times people say, well, now you've gone too far, Pastor. You don't know how hard I work for my resources. I work so hard for it, it's mine, and I'm going to use it the way I want to. I mean, somebody else have to work for theirs. <laughs> that might be your way of thinking, 
but it ain't God's way of thinking. If you're a Christian and say you're a follower of Christ, my challenge to you is to change your way of thinking and get in on what God is saying from his word. Now let's look at this example of this helping with the resources with this Samaritan helping a man that no doubt knows that that Jew despises this Samaritan. But look what he does. It says, then he put him on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, knowing that he put him on his own donkey. Now, whether he had two donkeys or not, we don't know. There's a good chance he only had the one. And he put the, the Samaritan put this Jewish guy that's beat up and wounded on his own donkey. And get this, he is giving up even walking to get to an end. He's given out of the things that he has that God has blessed him with. And you know what? If we really care, whenever we see this man sacrificing, it is a great example for you and I to sacrifice in the area of our resources. But we can be so selfish, can't we? We can find ways to justify like never before, can't we? Sometimes the one thing we have is the one thing somebody else needs. God taught me a valuable lesson several years ago. My wife and I were at a gas station. And a man come up to me. He said, I hate to bother you, but he said, my family are trying to make it home. There's been a tragedy. We're trying to get back to Indiana. And he kind of told me the situation with their finances. I, can't, I don't remember if he, he lost a credit card or where it was, but he just wanted gas in his vehicle. That's all he wanted. He said, if you could just help me with some gas to get back home, my family would be very appreciative. I said, I ain't got no money for you. What I meant was, was my justification, I don't have no money for you. I've got money in my pocket for me, but I don't have no money for you. I was only seeing with my eyes. I wasn't seeing with my heart. I watched the man go to another man over there. And that man went over there, put his card in the pump, and filled the man's tank up in front of my eyes. If my memory serves me correctly, I seen him also give the man some money. And in that moment, the Lord spiritually whipped me up one side and down the other. He said, you stop judging other people. You let me be the judge of their circumstances. And I've, I've regretted that day ever since, but I've taken every opportunity since then. It's not for me to judge. God has blessed me immensely. If they go and they're lying about their circumstances, that's not on you, church. That's not on me, church. That's on them. My job is to see with my heart of compassion and love of Jesus. My job is to go with my body 
and put into action that what I may need to do with my time. But also my job is to be able to share the resources because first of all, they're not mine anyway. They're all his. And that's the way it is. Think about when this man woke up. Who got the credit for helping? Think about that. <laughs> Who got the credit for helping? I think that's a lot of times our issue that we work so hard for what we work for. And, and no doubt, I, I, many, you could tell me stories about how hard you work and you're there early and you come home late and the overtime and what you do to, to make the contracts and what you do to be able to make the, the company go and what you're doing to keep your company afloat. And I, I get all that. But if we're not careful, this man here, no doubt, could care less about who got the credit when the man woke up. He wasn't there. If we're not careful, when it comes to giving our resources even to a church, we don't want to give resources to a church because it'll be the church that gets the credit and not us. But remember, God gets the glory. And who better to get the glory than the God of the universe that everything belongs to and allows our hearts to continue beating in this life. But our flesh somehow wants to get the credit for the two silver coins. I want to, my heart and my prayer is for all of us here at Freedom Church that we get 100% really busy about our community. If you look around, there are thousands of homes being built. There is 500 homes being built right around our church here. There is all kinds of people moving into our area from all over. And you know what I see people looking for? People are looking for hope. People are looking for people that's going to love them where they're at. They're looking for a spark of something that's so much better than maybe where they come from. They're looking from re for relief, maybe from, from some pain. Maybe they're looking for some direction and God wants to use you to give them spiritual direction. Maybe God wants to use you to help them because they're hurting and they don't know where to turn. I know some of you may be pushing back and you're saying, Pastor, I, I get that and that's cool and, and that's a godly thing to do, but I got my own set of circumstances. I got my own set of problems, Pastor. We all do. But I'll promise you, if you'll open up the eyes of your heart, and you'll go in action with your body, and you will help with your resources, you're going to see somebody that's got a whole set of problems and circumstances much worse than you and I ever dreamed of. You just got to look around. and You just got to know that God wants to use you in a tremendous way. This community needs a buffer against an enemy who's trying everything it can do. And it's time for us as a church to get busy and to get loud and stand up against the enemy and say, there's not going to be any more bullying. Look at verse 35b again. It says, in third, verse 35, it says, take care of this man. If the bill runs higher than this, I will pay you the next time I'm here. Do you know what this man gave here? This man not only gave at the moment, but this man gave a vision of full recovery for this man and said, and trusted the innkeeper, I'll even pay you more when I come back through if it costs more. God has given us here an opportunity at Freedom Church, an opportunity to be able to love people like we've never loved them before. And God wants to use every one of us to take somebody and help them in their hardest moments of their life that the reality can become that they know that when you help them, they not only seen help from you, but they seen help from the love of all. Almighty God, and that's how God wants to use every one of us to make a difference. Let's stop the enemy and just say, no more, we're going to be a buffer. 
Look at verse 36 and 37. Jesus says here, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Jesus asked. Who's Jesus asking? Jesus is asking the Pharisees that he's trying to help them out to understand the love of Almighty God and what you do. And you don't turn up your noses at people based on color or ethnicity. You don't turn up your nose based on someone's status in the community. Jesus asked the man, Jesus asked and the man replied, the one who showed mercy, did you realize what the Pharisee just did right here? He wouldn't even utter the word Samaritan. That's how bad that the Jews despised the Samaritans. He said the one. The one who showed him mercy, then Jesus said, yes, now you go and do the same. See, our problem is a lot of times is letting our calendar be jolted. Our problem a lot of times is, is, is letting go of our status. A lot of times it's hard for us to allow our busy schedules to get knocked off course just a little bit. When you look at the life of Jesus through the Gospels, Jesus' life and ministry was one interruption after another. But Jesus was always on time every time. Oh, I, I can't get interrupted, Pastor. One of the hardest things you can do in life is to live your life of love, seeing from the heart going with your body regardless of the interruptions and helping with your resources to love and to serve. But I'm going to tell you the ones it's hardest to do it with. It's hard for us to serve the selfish, isn't it? It's hard for us to serve those that you would write down as an enemy of your own. That makes it really challenging, doesn't it? So I asked you a question, how are you doing in your life loving others? Not sizing them up, not saying we don't speak, not saying I don't have time, not saying I don't have money, not saying I'm going, I'm, I can't stop today. No, no, no. How are you doing systematically in loving others in your life? Look at Luke 6 here. I love how it relates it in the Passion Translation. However you wish to be treated by others is how you should treat everyone else. Are you really showing true love by only loving those who love you back? Even those who don't know God will do that. Are you really showing compassion when you do good deeds only to those who do good deeds to you? Even those who don't know God. We'll do that. Loving others, especially those who have hurt us, or those that we know that despise us, or those that we know that we've had an angst with in our life, it's something that will never be easy. It's something that needs constant practice. But I love the late Martin Luther King, what he once said. He said, everyone can be great because everyone can serve. So when you go and you want to love somebody and serve them, you serve them as if I'm serving God.
Start looking for ways to be able to love your neighbor. That neighbor that you know that maybe has nothing to do with God and wants nothing to do with you. Look for ways to get involved with them. Look for ways to encourage them. Look for ways to be able to serve them and invest in them. Look for ways to let them know that you love them. And maybe look for ways whenever something happens and there's maybe tension in their life or there's trouble going on in their life or maybe they just moved into your area. Let them know the love that you have, that they've come to be a part of your community and that God loves them too. Jesus knew who he was and he was really secure in himself as he walked here on the earth. He didn't really need to impress anybody or be seen as somebody that's really important. He still knew he was the Messiah, but he was still able to serve and to love. And he proved that all the way to the cross. See, love is a, is a, when you go out there and you're going to start loving people and you're thinking, I, I want to try my best. Listen, it's growing through a failure of being able to do it. You're looking for future potential opportunities to embrace every opportunity. Don't let one slide through the cracks. Don't be one like me that gets hurt and has to get a spiritual whipping from God because we want to be the judge of their circumstances. Be careful about that. Love means not expecting other people that are going to get it for the first time. doesn't mean that when you serve, they're going to get it the second time or the third time. But it, you're doing what God would have you to do, to love them in the moment. What's it going to take for us to really be a buffer? I think the greatest thing for us is we've just got to downshift as we're going through life. Because I don't know about you, but man, I'm telling you, most people today are running at breakneck speed. If that had been you on that road or myself on that road, we're moving so fast, we probably would have never noticed someone in the ditch. But I love the speed the Good Samaritan was going. You know what speed it was? It was God's speed. Looking for an opportunity to be like God not like what he was called and what people thought of him as a despised Samaritan. So downshift and, and just look for what's going on around you. I promise you God will show you opportunity after opportunity. 1 John 4 and 17 says this, it says, and as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus. Did you hear that? Live like Jesus here in this world. See, Jesus taught us that greatness is always measured by service. There is no loving others unless you're living for others. The measure in which Christians love one another in, is the measure in which this world will ever believe in the love of God or in the Christ that we serve. See, when you're serving God, you serve God by serving man around you. You do everything you can to be able to lend a hand, to be able to lift a load, to be able to console a heart, to be able to draw a tear in someone's life that's hurting and broken. Say, I'm not just here for you now. I'm here for you from this point forward. I'm going to see you through this.
That's what the Good Samaritan did. He had a vision to see this broken, hurting, wounded man all the way through. Probably one of the most terrible times he ever had in his life. Do the people in your life, your circle of life, do they truly know what the real love of God is through you? Here's what I believe. This is an opportunity for every single one of us to be part of something bigger than what we'll ever be in this world. That's what it's an opportunity for. Are you willing to be a buffer for Jesus in a world that needs him more than ever? Are you willing to love others? Are you willing to set yourself aside for the sake of the families and the children and the students and the people that you work with and the people that your neighbors and people that you just come across in the highways and byways of life, those that are hurting, those that are helpless in our community and beyond. I want to say thank you for the love that I see that you are already sharing here in this church. How many of you here, and I just want to ask this, how many of you, when you came to this church family for the first time, you truly felt loved from the people that were here? Would you lift your hand real high and say, I did feel the love of God here. Well, I believe that about you, and you are awesome. But here's what I want to challenge us to do. I want us to take it to the next level. You know, I I don't want our church to be known for having a beautiful campus, beautiful buildings, which they are nice, and I thank God for them, and I I know that you do. I, I don't want our church to be known that it's probably in the best location in Sumner County, as my late friend David Landruff used to tell me. Because there's three things about that. When it comes to business or church, it's location, location, location. But that's not what I'm worried about. I don't want our church to be known that we have a stellar kids ministry, which we do. And Shelly's doing an amazing job. And and all those that volunteer and they come here with a smile on their face and they're here early and want to serve our children, they are amazing. I don't want our church to be known for the student ministry that we have, that these adults will take the time and sit and listen to these students because they're facing things that you and I have never faced in our lives growing up. But that's a great thing. I'm glad they they do it. I don't want our church to be to be known for relevant messages that that I could share with you with with uh, from my heart to say here's the problem here's the solution now you do something with it and you understand it but, but that's good things but what I want our church to be known for is that we share the love of Almighty God that Freedom Church is being a blessing in a community that people say that if Freedom Church wasn't here we would miss it terribly we want to be that kind of loving people church that we share the love of God with other people who need it the most the most dangerous prayer you'll ever pray in your life beyond your salvation is God use me God use me you pray that he will go in action with your body when the moment presents itself with the opportunity and you're willing to sacrifice even in the area of your resources God's going to use you in an amazing, amazing way to be His hands and His feet in a world that needs Him so
Would you stand with me? Father, we love you so much. And we thank you, God, for your love, because you are love. God, today I pray not only for myself, for everyone under the sound of my voice, God, that we will pray that dangerous prayer and say, God, use us. Use each of us in a mighty way. May we be mindful of the world out there that needs your love. Because your love will cover a multitude of sin. And may it get the attention on you, God, when we do the things to help people in a myriad of different ways and opportunities that you give us. How many of you here would say that today God has spoke to your heart and you want to go to the next level in your life sharing his love? Would you just lift your hand real high and say, that's what I want to do. I don't want to get caught up in my schedule. God bless you. Hands are going up everywhere. God bless you. God bless you. I see those hands. God bless every one of you. As you pray for God to help you in that endeavor and give you strength and give you eyes to see from your heart to look for those opportunities. Father, right now, God, as they pray, and I pray with them, God, I pray that you bless them with strength, you give them opportunities, and God, I pray, God, that you'll bless them with fruit, God, to say that was you, God, and provide every way and every will for them to be able to make a difference with your love. The greatest love you'll ever have is the love of Jesus. Jesus gave his life for you, stretched his arms out on a cross after he was beaten profusely and said, I love you that much. And if you've never experienced his love, you've never received Jesus as your Lord of your life, right now is your opportunity. If you feel him beckoning your heart right now, it's because he wants to live in your heart and he wants to guide you along this straight and narrow way through the leadership of his Holy Spirit. And so if you feel him tugging at your heart right now, would you just ask him to come in your heart if you never have and say, Lord, I believe in you. I invite you into my life. I want you to be the Lord of my life. Tell him, say, Lord, I believe you came and lived for me and you died for me and you rose for me. So today, the very power that brought you out of the grave is a power I want to live by. Forgive me of my sins. Save me, Lord. My life is yours, God. prayed that and you meant that from your being and he just swept your heart with his peace thank him for that and he's going to give you his holy spirit and i'd like for you to be able to tell somebody that be sure to tell me after this service be sure to go tell someone what god has done in your heart let us know that father we love you and we thank you for your love thank you god for allowing us to love you and experience your love god may we now go and love this world that needs you we praise you and we honor you and thank you for our church family that's done, a, I believe, a good job of loving. But God, it's time we go to the next level and do a great job of sharing your love in a world of people that need you. We love you and we praise you. Use us for your glory. May that be our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, amen. Let's give him glory, church. He deserves it. I hope you guys enjoyed today's service. I just wanted to kind of wrap up and give you guys some next steps. If you have given your life to Christ today, that's awesome, and we want to know about it. Um, if you are watching online or on the app, we have a little hamburger icon you can click on, and it'll take you to the connection card, and you can just mark that for us. And if you're on Facebook, if you go to the description, you can find a link, and it'll take you to the connection card. While you're there, you might see some other next steps. If you're interested in any of those next steps, just mark that too. 
and uh, we'll get that and we'll be more than happy to work with you about your walk with Christ and what um, is going to happen after today. We are going to move into a time of giving. Here at Freedom Church, we believe that you can't outgive God. If you are on the app or the website, you can just go to that same um, icon and click the link to give. And if you're on Facebook, you can go to the link in the description. Um, and if you would like to send in your tithe, you can do that. We'll have the address to the church right here on the screen and we'll get that safe and secure. We hope you guys have a great day and peace out.